Oh, come on, let's extend that hand clap, could we? He's worthy, isn't he? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just a little bit more. Give him just a little bit more. Oh, to Jesus be the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus will do what you can't do. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad for the presence of God that is in this place? Amen. Praise God. I was at home this morning contemplating, praying, meditating after service. Amen. God spoke to me and called me back to the church. And I came down and began to have prayer. And God gave me some things to pray for and some things to do. And Amen. Let me tell you today. To Jesus be the glory in this place. Amen. This is not a man thing. This is a God thing. Praise the Lord. You don't know it, but there's angels in this house right now. Hallelujah. Not only is the Holy Ghost here, but there's ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And let me tell you today, the anointing breaks the yoke. Praise the Lord. The anointing breaks the yoke. Praise God. Amen. Why don't we give our praise team honor today with a hand clap. Amen. I, I am so thankful that they work and they do so hard and they're so dedicated. And every once in a while I look down at Sister Julie. She's there on the end. And I'll say, sing it, Sister Julie. I can never get her attention. And she's got those earplugs in her ears. And I thought, well, she's just ignoring me. No, she had the earplugs in her ears. Praise God. Oh, doesn't it feel good in the house of the Lord? Praise the Lord. Yes, it does. Hallelujah. Wonderful job. Every one of y'all. Wonderful, wonderful job. Praise the Lord. As I said before in this church, we are blessed with an abundance of ministry in this house. And uh, every one of them capable. I, I give them all honor, everyone. We have been having our ministerial classes. And they have been performing services and doing things. We've been imparting things to one another. Amen. And God is just growing them. And I'm so excited about what God is doing in their life. Amen. With that being said, we are glad today to bring to the pulpit. Amen. Uh, a great man of God. And if I just had half of his energy today. Amen. I, I would take on every devil in hell. Amen. Because he would go after them. I, I want Brother Kevin Cummins to come to this pulpit and preach and minister. Amen. Let the Lord do <laughs> Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, praise team. Amen. I want to I want to give honor today to my pastor, to my youth pastor. I want to give honor to all of my friends. I want to give special honor to my friend Brother Andy Brooks and his wonderful family. That's my that's my wonderful friend. I'm so glad to have you with us here today. I want to give friend to my friend Tyrone, an uh, honor to my friend Tyrone. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for coming. 
want to give honor to my beautiful wife. I wouldn't be nothing without her, and I really mean that. It's the love of my life. And we were going to have her sing, but the Holy Ghost moved, and I'm glad it did. I, I was hoping that maybe it would move even more, uh, that we could just have a blowout, you know, go home. But um, So we're not going to have her sing, but I would love to have my wife sing. We're not going to have her sing, but I would love for you to stand and testify. I want to invite you to take your tablets, your Bibles, your phones, or to look up on the screen and to stand and read with me in the word of the Lord today. And I want to preach to you today out of the verse, Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 8, and verse number 29. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 29. Amen. I'm very thankful for what I feel today. I'm thankful for all my precious friends. All, all of, all, I give you all honor today. I love you and I pray for you all. And I, I want to be just like y'all, y'all ministers, the best ministers in the world, and my pastor. I love my pastor. All right, I want to read. Are you ready? Amen. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed. To the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And my eye is on this part of the verse. To be conformed to the image of his son. And I want to preach to you today for just a short while on the topic of conformed to the image of Christ. Conform to the image of Christ. Father God, in Jesus' name. Lord, you see and you know my heart today, God. And I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay, God, that I may speak to your people. I pray today, God, in Jesus' name, Lord, every bit of thing, anything in me, Lord, that's not like you, that you purify me, God. Lord, in Jesus' name, help me to speak your word with power and authority. Help me to speak your word under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and unction of the Spirit. Lord, I pray today that you would hide me behind the cross. And Lord, that you would speak. Lord, let your word speak. Let your spirit speak today, God. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul, born in Tarsus under the name of Saul. I'm going to take my glasses off. The Apostle Paul, born Saul of Tarsus, was born a very um, zealous individual. And Saul was a man that grew and he was mentored by one of the greatest teachers of Israel. Nicodemus was known as the teacher of Israel, but Gamaliel was right up there with him. And Gamaliel was the teacher of, of Saul. And Saul had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
his life would never be the same. According to Acts chapter 20, uh, chapter 20 and verse 16, when he got converted, he repented of his sins. He was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And I know today that there are many who will say to look at Paul's conversion. And they say, look at Paul. He was knocked off of his horse and he was saved. And that is true that God has power to knock us off the things of our life. But the Apostle Paul, according to his own words, while preaching, trying to convince the men that held him captive. He's his personal testimony. It happened in Acts chapter 9. But in Acts chapter 20, he is telling his, his personal testimony to those who had him in captive. And he said, when I was saved, when I was delivered, he said, I called on the name of the Lord as they put me in the water. And I received the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you here today that you've got to repent of your sins. That you've got to be baptized in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I threw that in for free. Amen. The Apostle Paul. In the year 57 A.D. 24 years after the Lord Jesus Christ had ascended back into heaven. Is on his he is now not Saul of Tarsus. But he is now the Apostle Paul. And now Paul is on his second missionary journey. And Paul is passing through a city called Corinth. Where he is ministering to the, to the very people that the book of 1st and 2nd Corinthians were written to. And as Paul is passing through the city Corinth to minister to them. He hears of a group of believers who start a church in the very city that of the people that had crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a group of people in the city of Rome that said we believe the message and we are going to start a church. And Paul being tied up. Paul facing some controversy at that time because no one wanted to preach the gospel. Because when you began to preach the gospel at the time that I'm talking to you about right now. They would do more than slap you on the wrist. They would do more than call it hate speech. But when you began to preach the gospel at the time that I'm talking to you about tonight. They would take you in the middle of town square. And they would publicly shame you. They would let the birds eat you. They would behead you. I'm telling you here today that Paul, he did not have very many helpers in the gospel to reach all of Asia and all of Israel. But Paul, having his hands tied up while ministering to those at Corinth, he said, I'm going to send a letter to the believers that are in Rome. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And he begins this letter to the Romans. Oh, he said, to the Romans. And at the church in Rome, they had several different groups of people. It was Jews. It was Gentiles. It was all kinds of people. 
every person, every kind of person under the sun. There was no discrimination. The book of Romans was written to the most diverse group of people in the New Testament. And that's why I, I, I want to be led of the Holy Ghost. I have, I have some notes, but let me be led of the Holy Ghost. I mean, when Paul is writing to the Corinthians, if you follow it, I want you to, I want you to, when you go home, take out a chart and look at it. Chapter 1, he tells them what they're doing wrong. Chapter 2, he tells them something else they do wrong. Chapter 3, he tells them you're doing this wrong. Chapter 4, he tells, I'm telling you, five, I'm telling you, you, you got to listen to it. You got to, you, I want to tell you young people, you've got to read these books from front to end and don't just take one word or one sentence. And he gets to chapter 6 and chapter 7 and chapter 10 and, and chapter 12 and chapter 14. And he's telling him, you did this wrong. You did that wrong. But when he's writing, because he's because he, in the book of Corinthians, he's really writing to kind of one group of people. But when he's writing to the Romans, he starts, Romans chapter 1, he's talking about the gospel and sin. Romans chapter 2, he's talking about justification by faith. Romans chapter 3, he talks about the wages of sin. Romans chapter 4, he begins to go into the history of Israel. Romans chapter 5, he brings you out of the history of Israel and into the era of the Lord Jesus Christ. And after Romans chapter 5, he begins Romans chapter 6, that you and I, if we want to be like Jesus Christ, we have got to be buried in the same way that he was buried and we've got to have an ascension in the same way that he had an ascension and now he writes Romans chapter 7 and he is telling them oh I want you to tell you Romans chapter 7 is my chapter he said look I know you've been born again but that doesn't mean you're perfect I know that you're born again but you're going to do things and say things and think things that's not like God but Chapter 8, the Romans got lucky because the first Corinthians, he is writing chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, you did this. Can you just imagine someone uh, coming to troubleshoot our church? And he just, well, you got this wrong, you got that wrong, you got your church, I mean, you got this going on, you got that going on. You got, they only got one chapter of it. And it was not something that they were doing wrong. He didn't point to them and say, hey, you're doing this wrong, you need to fix it. He was telling them that you and I are in what's called a body of death. That even though I have been born again, there is a nature and a law that is on the inside of me. And he begins Romans chapter 8 to encourage them and pick them up. And he said, but listen to these words. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, which walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in you and I. He gets to verse 28. Oh God. Verse 20. Let me, let me just... Verse 25. 
there is a hope for those that wait upon Christ. Verse 26, the Spirit will help those that wait upon Christ. Verse 27, God is the one that searches and knows our heart. And He makes intercession. Verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And verse 29, and this is where I want to pick up my message. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, might be the firstborn of many brethren. That's you and I. God, I want to take you back in time. And I'm going to explain this verse. I want to tell you if it's okay. I hope this is all right. Uh, I'm not like most people. Before, before we had our child, I, and I love my boy with all of my heart. I'd give my life for my son. He is the treasure human wife there, the treasure of my life. And, uh, but before we had our boy, I was doubling up on classes. I was taking all kinds of classes. I was taking three and four different Bible college seminary classes a day. I was doubling up. Not only was I taking three and four from different places, but I was taking three and four lessons. I would spend eight to twelve hours studying because I was I was by myself at home and my wonderful wife had worked a different shift. We both worked twelve hours and the twelve hours I was home, she wasn't home. And the twelve hours that she was home, I wasn't home. So I had a lot of free time and I began to you know I began to you know study it, you know, and I began to study things I didn't understand, and I began to, to and I, I want to tell you, I got to this verse right here, and I struggled with this verse, and, I, and I'm telling you that I struggled with this verse because I'm making, I'm fixing to make this verse so plain. I'm fixing to make this verse so that you could see it like the nose on your face. I want to read this verse, and then I want to explain it in the best possible way that I can. I want you to follow me, okay? Whom he foreknew. He predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the first mormon of many brethren. And whom he predestinated, he called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. Foreknowing is foreseeing. Predestining is making a mark in what you're going to do. And then calling is gathering. Justifying is putting together. And glorifying is finishing. Listen to this. God has a perfect plan. This is what he did with all of creation. God in eternity past. Before there was an earth. Before there was a solar system. God was God all by himself. And he saw. He knew. He planned. Now listen to this. Pastor. Is an amazing builder. Everything that we're sitting in today. You can tell that he's an amazing builder. And I've had the privilege to be under his pastorship. I've had the privilege to be under his pastorship. For um, seven years. For almost a third of his ministry. And I've seen him do things that I just wish I could do. I'm not a carpenter. I wish I was. But pastor did this. And I'm talking to you about right now. With the life center. And I say that because I saw it. 
I remember one day, I've, I've got a picture. I wish I had a picture that we could put up on the screen. They had just poured the concrete. And I was driving in Madisonville. I saw him standing on the concrete. And I came out and I took a picture with him in, in his head. I took his head and took a picture of it. And Pastor, he, let, me, let me use Pastor an example. Let me, let me go into a more, a more intricate situation. Imagine a builder. And is this all right? Imagine a builder. Okay? And he is standing on an open slab. And there is he's standing on a foundation. And there is nothing there. But that builder knows exactly what he wants to build. today about being conformed to the image of Christ. In the very beginning of this thing, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, God made man in his image. But in creating us, God, in His great love, made creation in order to share His love with. And in creating us, we fell into sin. And sin had separated us from that relationship that God had wanted to have with us. 
Sin is what separates you from God. Sin is what will kill your soul. The Bible says the soul that sinneth shall surely die. And so we see Jesus being the true image of God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now we have the perfect example. And I want to tell you young people that your greatest goal in life ought to be like Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Your greatest goal ought to be just like Him. My glasses back on. Let me give you some examples. I'm hurrying to a close because I don't want to take too much time. I want to give you some examples about what it doesn't mean to be conformed to Christ. What it doesn't mean. It is not to look at Christ and say, I want to look just like Him. The way that He looks. It is not to take a picture of Jesus and stand in the mirror and say, I want to look just like Jesus. To be conformed to Christ is not to try to wear a robe. I mean, I could see it. I guarantee you, I, I could see it. Somebody out there who says, you know, I want to be just like Jesus Christ. So they come out in a robe. And it doesn't mean to look just like him. In the way that I would love to look like some of you guys. Brother Josh, I'm trying to look like you, buddy. I'm telling you, 100%. I'm going to fit in that 46 jacket one day. But it doesn't mean to look just like him. Because the Bible says... Um, God, help me today. That he hath no form or comeliness. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should behold him. Everything that was done to him on the cross is going to be very visible. So it's not to look at him and say, boy, I wish I was five foot, five foot six, just like Jesus. It does not mean to dance just like Jesus. This is a new one. Uh, uh, on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook Reels, there's all kinds of people doing dances. And I, I'm going to get carnal for just a minute. I, don't, <laughs> I remember there was a song called The Soldier Boy. Woo! Uh, I bet you 30 of you know it. Yeah. Everybody. When I went to Dawson Springs High School, everybody wanted to do The Soldier Boy. You know, I didn't even know what it was. I, I couldn't. I cannot. I can't even try to do it. But it's not to dance like him. Because the Bible says that he was a man that was acquainted with sorrows. And wounded in the house of his friends. It's not to be rich like Jesus. There's a lot of people today. And I'm just going to say this as plain as I can. Uh, the internet is very deceiving. Don't believe people that say if you send them 50 bucks a month, they'll teach you how to be a millionaire. That is a lie. 
And, you know, Andrew Tate, you know, all these guys, you know. So it's, you know, when, when we're talking about being conformed to the image of Christ, just because you've got a whole lot of money doesn't make you like Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus said, uh, and, I wanna, and I hope this is okay because I could be wrong, but I, I'm going to guess on something. There goes my keys. I'm going to guess on something. When Jesus said, sell all you have and give to the poor, I think he might have been comparing himself to comparing that man to him. I think he was, I think maybe, I'm saying maybe, maybe in a sense, maybe in a sense, Jesus is looking at this guy that says, I've got it all. And here's Jesus who had sold everything, give it to the poor, and now Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no way to head. He's like, if you've got it all together, you sell it all, and you go die on the cross for everybody. You know. So it's not to be rich like him. But to be conformed to Jesus Christ. When you become like him, you become a beacon for the lost. When you become like him, you will be blessed in everything you do. When you become like Him, God will make you a soul winner. When you become like Him, you can lay hands on the sick and they'll be recovered. To be conformed to Christ is to be united with Him in such a way that His life has become your life. That His death has become your death. That His righteousness has become your righteousness. And that His ascension has become your ascension. His home has become your home. His promises have become your promises. To be conformed, literally, soon morphe. Soon morphe. To be conformed. That's what it, in the Greek, soon morphe. It literally means to be changed completely into something else. To be changed completely into something else. So why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? Is anyone having trouble living too much for God? Is anybody anybody too, too godly? Has that ever been a problem? You know what? I think I need to slack off a little bit. <laughs> that has never been a problem. I want to tell you today, I want to tell you the same thing that Paul told them in Romans chapter 7. And that is, it can be hard to be conformed to Christ. And I want to end with this. I want you all to stand. Let's all stand. If there's anybody who wants to come play, I'd appreciate it. But it's okay, you don't have to. There's only two places. And I want to turn here. This is Philippians. I'm going to read this scripture. And I'm going to close. But this is Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And it's number 21. There's only two places in the Bible that the Bible that the word soon morphe is used. 
Number one, it's used in Romans chapter 28, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. But Philippians chapter 3, verse 21 tells us how. Verse 21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things to himself. He is able, I want you to catch this. He is able to subdue all things to himself. You have got to learn to hide yourself in Christ. You've got to learn to take things to him in Christ. When you're overwhelmed, when you're falling and you can't get up, when you're angry, when you're frustrated, the, if you want to be God, help me, you've got to learn how to take it to him. And when you do, Jesus that lives on the inside of you is able to subdue all things unto himself. When you completely give it all to Jesus, he is able to cut off things that shouldn't be there. When you completely hide yourself in Jesus and give yourself to Jesus, he is able to open doors that no man can open and shut doors that no man can shut. I want to tell you here today that so many times we come to the house of God and then we leave and the name of Jesus kind of stays behind these doors. And I want to tell somebody here today that if you want to live a life that is truly like Christ, you've got to every day say, God, I'm, I got to decrease and you got to increase. And when you give yourself fully. Christ in you is able to subdue all things unto himself. God is able to deliver you. Amen. These altars are open. You can, you can come pray if, if you feel led. But I want to tell you here today that when you hide yourself in Christ, there's nothing he can't cover. When you hide yourself in Christ... When you hide yourself in Christ, God will take your heart. He will take your mind like a, like a potter takes clay. He will begin to mold it. In the same way that David said, when David fell and David was trying to hide himself in God. And David said, oh God create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. He said, God search me. And this is what it is. He said, God, search me and know my heart. God, try me and know my thoughts. And if there's anything in there that's not like you, God, that you would burn it away. I wish that that was our prayer here today. I wish that it was the prayer of somebody who said, God, I need you to take this from me because I can't do it anymore. God, I need you to make me who you want me to be. God, I need, I need you to take from me thoughts and ideas. I need you to take from me addictions and problems. Lord, I want to tell somebody today, you've got to hide yourself in Christ. You've got to get back under the blood of Jesus. And God is able to do, God can do more in five seconds than you could ever do in a lifetime.